Welcome to the first in the new summer season of The Bike Show here on Resonance FM. My name's Jack Thurston and this week's show we're in a little bit of a reflective mood. In fact we're making radio about radio. To help me with this is James Wilson, a lecturer in radio at Glasgow Metropolitan College. And I met up with him and Ed Baxter, the programming director here at Resonance FM, one damp afternoon a few weeks ago to investigate by bicycle the geographical footprint of the Resonance FM radio signal. We're looking down at a uh, map of London. We've marked out the, uh, the five-kilometre broadcast signal uh, of the transmitter for resonance, which is mounted upon Guy's Tower, really near where we are now here outside the studio, up on, uh, on the Guy's Hospital Tower. And, uh, yeah, using a felt-tip pen and a piece of string measured and calibrated to uh, five kilometres, we've marked out this circle... Um, which is pretty much all of central London. Edward, why is it only five kilometres? That's all that Ofcom, the regulatory authority, will allow any community radio station. So we're restricted for legal reasons, Jack. And we can see here, looking at it, it goes from uh, kind of Highbury in the north to um, East Dulwich, Hearn Hill in the south, and from sort of pretty much the Serpentine in Hyde Park over to the Isle of Dogs in the east of London but it's not quite as simple as that is it? It isn't because there are hills and valleys and extremely large buildings so people living um, behind Canary Wharf for example are unlikely to pick up the signal and it depends which side of Highgate Hill you live and I suspect which side of Dog Kennel Hill in East Dulwich there are all those uh, London not being flat it means there are variations in the, the footprint. And the signal also drifts along the river. Uh, imagine the river as a, as a corridor. The signal will drift down to Kew Bridge and beyond. And maybe further along the opening of the Thames. Uh, we did get somebody phoning yesterday who picks it up in Oxted, which is the other side of the M25 and sometimes on a clear day you can hear it in Romford, 17 miles away. I think it's always a clear day in Romford from what I've been told. Uh, James, you're looking at the way in which radio signals make, create communities, is that right? Yeah, I'm interested in how mountains uh, define who we are. Uh, as a cyclist, the, the concept of a mountain is an important thing to me. Uh, thrills are going down them and the pleasures have gone up them. And also the way we live between them. Uh, in the past, the mountains defined the limits of our reach, and I think the mountains define the limit of radio reach. So there's a there's a there's a, a commonality of community in so, a way. So Ed was just talking about Canary Wharf and Dogkenner Hill, but there are more extreme examples, I suppose, of of radio stations being hemmed in by mountain ranges. Yeah, the it's not unusual for certainly 
in Scotland for radio stations to be named after rivers, and that's not by accident because the rivers run through the valleys between the mountains uh, and the mountains stop the signal. So do you think radio reinforces kind of valley mentalities and the divisions between valleys or, or is it just reflecting something that's already there? I think radio can reinforce valley mentality, that's quite a nice way of putting it but on the other hand I think one of the, the most interesting things about the bike show is the way that the podcast uh, flattens mountains uh, because if you're picking up a podcast whether you're doing it one side of, one side of the Kilpatrick Hills or, or south of the south of the Himalayas it doesn't matter you know because because there's a community there a community of interest based upon uh, the delights of cycling that that just that that ignores geography it beats geography Ed how do you think geography has um, shaped resonance and does resonance shape communities in London do you think looking down at this map as we are yeah, it does. It's, it's a very peculiar thing, isn't it? It's very difficult to get a, a grip on. Um, I, I do think resonance is very much about London, and I'm very fond of thinking of it in terms of what Kojo Eshin, who's an artist and critic based at Goldsmiths, he, he calls it an example of defiant parochialism. And that, that comes to mind when we're talking about valleys and which hills we, we will go up and which we, we don't go to the other side of. Um, f- for me, as somebody who's lived for nearly 30 years in Camberwell, Camberwell Green, South East Five, the, what Blake called the lovely hills of Camberwell, um, resonance gives me a completely different impression of, of London than that which I get from sitting in my little flat on the Camberwell New Road. Um, there's, because looking at this blob, the footprint, it's a, it's a huge nation and a huge crisscross of tiny streets and numberless variations in, in demographic and movement. Um, I suppose the, the thing about London and about the, the Thames is it, there's constant traffic, which as a, as a cyclist you experience um, from the advantage of you know, breathing in the fumes, but also there are people coming and going from all over the world into this... the, the concentration of the capital and um, the uh, resonance feeds off, off that critical mass of people from... You know, 300 other cultures and from tens of thousands of other cities and towns. It's about mobility, isn't it? Uh, lateral mobility across the city, which is something that uh, radio squatters and cyclists will all understand. Yeah, well, the original idea was to um, trace a quadrant, perhaps, um, or an arc of the... Uh of the limits of the radio range to see the kind of bits of London where resonance peters out, kind of the bit, you know, the dividing line. Um, but that's going to be slightly complicated. And, and actually looking down at this map, um, it would probably involve quite a big journey, although I think it is something that should be done at some stage. But, but it was already relatively late on in the day and we've had a few rain showers. And I think if I engage my uh, schoolboy geometry, um, the circumference of a five kilometre radius circle is going to be what's that two pi r so that's two times 
five times pi, which is thirty. Thirty-five anyway. Thirty-one, wasn't it? Two, three point. Anyway, thirty some odd um, kilometres, uh, which is probably more than we're willing to do. Um, I think we should we should get a, a race together, Jack. You know, kind of proper circuit, the the resonance circuit, but a new feature of London's cycling world. Well, what we are going to do though is is head out to what. I think it's going to be probably the southern edge um, down towards Herne Hill, Brockwell Park, um, Dulwich Common. And um, we have got a, uh, a radio here, so we can actually along the way test the signal um, to see uh, if it comes and goes. And I'm just going to turn it on now and uh, tune in to whatever's on. 104.4. Open plan today, so I think there's a visually free flow. You can see the works on different levels, and I, I think... Yeah, where someone's you know, talking about, about yeah, someone's talking about this uh, in, appreciating works, works on different as a, as levels. As well as different this islands. is probably going to be a very confusing it's thing to listen very, to. Very different approach. There seems to be a question about. It'd be better uh, if you'd been on the radio at the moment. So we're going to head off south um, down Elephant and Castle Way uh, through the back streets of Woolworth, across um, Burgess Park, through Camberwell, Peckham. East Dulwich, and um, we'll uh, we'll see how far we get, and we'll see how far the signal is travelling. And uh, so, James, you got your bike? I'm ready. You ready yep. to see a bit of London? I'd be delighted to see a bit of London. All right, let's hit the road. We're now standing in Burgess Park. You might be able to hear the birds tweeting away, the joys of spring. We're just um, a stone's throw, really, from the old Camberwell bathing facilities, I guess the Victorian era that's uh, gone the way of most of these things and closed down now. Great shame. I think before we would have been able to go for a hot bath and maybe a steam over there. But um, Burgess Park's pretty nice. And um, we're going to do our first uh, first test, and we've only come a couple of kilometres. So if if there's a problem here, then and I think there's definitely something up with the uh, reson- resonance signal. So, uh... Okay, are you on? There's no way that that works. It's going to mean something. James is erecting the aerial main place like with John Gibbons piece when you come in they would said oh look at them they're kind of nudged I think that's pretty clear out. isn't it and it just happened that- well, it's a nice strong signal there's uh, no doubt about that we're well within range and, and ready for the next bit so you're studying um, radio signal ranges five kilometres must be the, s- the smallest they get you know it's tiny isn't it it's not it's standard community station or community licence uh, broadcast area because that's all it's meant to be uh, but it is a, it's not, it's not in reality limited to anything like five kilometres because in, it will just go till it hits, till the signal uh, wears out uh, because of its low strength, or until it hits a mountain, uh, and it's and I don't think that's going to happen in the next couple of kilometres. But so the big national BBC and commercial radio stations, how powerful are their signals? How far do they reach? I wish I could tell you the answer to that question. I, I, I don't know where it is in kilowatts, but it's, it's the, the community licences are restricted to, to a certain signal strength. Uh, the difference between 
a station like Resonance FM or Sunny Govan in Glasgow or Revival Radio in Cumbernauld. It's the the network of transmitters that that the BBC and commercial radio has that are that cover uh, that cover the that cover right, so, the country. So the BBC doesn't just have one big transmitter somewhere in the Lake District, and it just does the whole country from there. It's it's got a kind of grid. That's a nice idea. It would be a, be a very tall transmitter. Uh, if the BBC and commercial radio have got transmitters dotted around the country at the top of hills, uh, and if you, you you'll, you'll know them, you'll be able to see them. Uh, so what do they look like? They just look like great big tall things. Uh, they're just masts. Uh, they'll, but they're, bit, they're bigger than a mobile phone masts because I think we all know what those look like. They'll be fifty, hundred feet or more, uh, going straight up, not very wide. Uh, held tethered with guy ropes like a big tent uh, so if you can go to the top of a hill uh, you'll find a, a transmitter uh, made of steel uh, and held down with you know a number of uh, a number of uh, tight wires uh, around about it uh, and they must be all over the country because it's a kind of line of sight thing you, you, your, your radio receiver has to be more or less in a direct line of sight with the transmitter, uh, and if it's not, you'll get a rotten signal. One of the things that you know I'm particularly interested or excited about is the way that podcasting has 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 knocked down the mountains. How it allows people, communities of uh, cyclists or uh, watercolorists, to connect around the world. You know, that I found out about uh Resonance FM via a Californian podcast uh, and that's just how twisted and convoluted and interconnected our world has become. Well a big shout out to John Winston over there in San Francisco bringing another another listener to the bike show. Thanks very much another another listener to Resonance FM. Well we're going to head on further south now. I think probably our next testing site's going to be somewhere around about Dulwich. So uh how are you finding the ride? Uh, it's nice the striking thing about riding a bike in London is how many other cyclists there are. I do most of my cycling in the countryside or in Glasgow, and there just isn't this. This there, there's one now. You may just hear him uh, moving smoothly by a well-oiled machine in the background. Uh, you know, there's a lot of cyclists here, and it's nice to be one of them. Resonance of M, one hundred four point four. The first radio. It was a box with the cat's whiskers. Well, it's a little glass tube on top of the box. And to get the station, you had to twiddle a wire on this end here against a crystal in there, and that would change the station. But there was always a fight, because everybody wanted... There was only one set of earphones. We've uh, scaled the Alp of Camberwell, otherwise known as Dog Kennel Hill. How did you find that, James? You're, you're on a fixie there, are you? What are you running? 4216 or something? Is that alright? I think uh, ask me a difficult question I think it's a 46-16 or 48-16, it's a little bigger than that, uh, the hill was uh, it was the biggest hill I've met since I got here uh, it was alright I wonder if that's the kind of hill that might present some problems for the uh, resonance signal I think we should um, give I'll it a test alright let's, let's just at this where they're doing this digging up ahead let's give it a test James has got the radio at the ready. I know who's a magic consultant. They mentioned Jonathan Creek and that sort of thing and the idea Oh, of, that's you know, as that strong as ever, isn't it? Yeah. How, what exactly right. do you kind of do when you go into a show and how do you go about creating the magic? It's sounding pretty good. Um, I, think, I think it's true to say that there's a lot of things in theatre that people don't really think. Intriguing, almost. Uh, people that lighting design. 
hearts to turn it off, but we've got work to, do, work to be done, places to go, uh, but it's working fine. Does a radio signal bounce off, you know, the clouds, and does the weather make a difference to radio the weather, waves? The weather makes a big difference to medium wave reception, which uh, for some reason that I don't really understand. I'm not a, a physicist or an expert in uh, radio telecommunications, really. Medium waves better at night. I didn't ask Ed. I didn't want to start a fight at the beginning yeah. of the show, but I know that he is a little bit uh, reluctant to properly embrace the podcast medium. I think he doesn't consider it, it to be truly radio if it's not, you know, synchronous. If you're not all listening at the same time, and the uh, sort of idea of on-demand broadcasting detracts from his conception of radio. Would you, would you do you see that tension, or do you think it's all good? I understand the tension. There's no denying the delight of a simultaneous listening experience and, and taking part in something as it happens, uh, geographically spread all together. Uh, but the the podcast has allowed people to access things that they wouldn't have been able to access before, like the, the bike show. Uh, has listeners all over the world, as you know better than me. 40% of your listeners reside in the United States, you know. And without the podcast medium, that wouldn't be happening. But on the other hand, there is something sublimely fabulous about a straightforward radio signal that's shared simultaneously. Uh, there's something quite nice just about flicking through on the dial, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, even if you don't get the pleasure of uh, the knob twiddling that used to be part of the, the adventure... Uh, I enjoy hitting the scan button and see what I come up with. Yeah, there used to be a, a Greek station in London, probably still is, but there was a particular show that I would often tune into with it by completely randomly. I mean, but it always seemed to be the same show, and it was this it was this show that was playing tango music from Greece from the sort of 40s and 50s, I think. And we're going to go right here, actually, following those two. Watching out for the white van. And that was a real magical show. Pretty good memories of sitting out in my garden on a summer's evening as the day faded into night and having this quite tinny Greek tango music coming over the airwaves and you know I, I wouldn't I wouldn't know what the station was called I couldn't understand the announcements I suppose that's one of the benefits of living in London that you probably do get a few more stations and I'm a great fan of pirate radio although I know it sometimes interferes with resonances signal uh, but I do think that on balance pirate radio adds something to the airwaves there's something there's something about the human connection of radio and especially if you start talking about through the night listening and the kind of nighthawk uh, broadcasting world which doesn't work in a podcast it's got to be somebody in a studio somewhere uh, talking to somebody in a bedroom somewhere listening and if you take away the, the live broadcast angle which you know there's real commercial pressures to, to downsize the amount of live local output going out in commercial radio I'd rather listen to a podcast than, you know, an automated lie. Not that automation is all bad, but... I think radio, live radio and 
radio that relates to a particular community, I mean, explains a lot of the evolution of popular music. Um, I mean, I remember the particular anecdote about um, how Elvis broke um, to the uh, citizens of Memphis or that area when um, his first single, Blue Moon of Kentucky, was was being played out. And I think the radio station just kept receiving all these calls saying, play it again, play it again. And I think it was played about 13 or 14 times back to back pretty much in that show because it was driving people crazy. I mean, you wouldn't get that now with a, with, with a radio station, especially not one that's just on an automated playout of, you know, cheesy hits, one of those kind of nostalgic radio stations. That you, you, I mean, there are very few stations, I think, where you could imagine people calling in and saying, play that, play that song again, 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 again. Well, thank you very much. I've been listening to your uh, to your to your station for the past couple of days ever since I've been down here. And uh, I can say that, and I certainly appreciate it a lot because uh, uh, if if there wasn't somebody on my side, I'd I'd, I'd be lost. <laughs> it's interesting to think you mentioned pirates. Uh, it's interesting to think what an impact offshore broadcasting had in British broadcasting. You know, without without the efforts of Caroline and Radio Scotland as well, uh, Radio One wouldn't exist. I don't think I'm telling anybody anything new there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know whether pop culture becomes less appealing because it's so accessible that you can now just go on to Spotify or Last FM and or MySpace and hear pretty much anything you want to hear instantly. Whereas, you know, it wasn't too long ago. I mean, certainly before I was around, but my parents would, you know, be sitting up late at night under the duvet covers, you know, probably didn't have duvets in those days, under the blankets, um, listening to scratchy uh, signals coming in and out from Luxembourg and, and the, the, the pirate boats out in the, uh, in the English Channel and the North Sea. Um, you know, just to hear that, that, that bit of music, because you couldn't buy it down at, the, uh, down at the local Woolworths where they were probably stocking, you know, Manuel and the Music of the Mountains or Tony Bennett or something. It's... The availability of music is, is well, it's a, a bit of a luddy, I suppose. It frightens me, but it's natural for it's, it's natural these days for people to just have access to on YouTube anything they want. And on the one hand, that's so fabulous. Uh, if you're, you know, if you've got a particularly difficult uh, harmony you're working on in your village choir, you can find it on YouTube, and it's all there for you. And you can, if you want to, you know, watch the. Uh, if you're saddened by Lux Interior's death, you can catch up with Cramps recordings from uh, the 1980s. It's all there on on demand. But that takes away the delight in finding the unfindable. You know, like to to have what you what you want and can't get.
come down to Dulwich and it was really impossible to bring James who's come all the way from Glasgow down to London to Dulwich without stopping in at the um, venerable Herne Hill Velodrome and here we are and the sun has come out and you wouldn't think this was the inner city would you? It doesn't feel like the inner city to me it's lovely uh, sun shining there's one individual in the far end of the track and it looks like a lovely evening for riding around in circles. For anyone who's listening who doesn't know about the Herne Hill Velodrome it's uh, built in 1896 and it's the only remaining bit of infrastructure that's still in use that was used competitively for the 1948 Olympics the last time Britain staged the Olympics and uh, they won't use it this time for the Olympics but I think there's a hope that it'll be part of the renaissance in track cycling that's currently going on in the British teams um, it's incredibly kind of run down the, the, the clubhouse is a sort of liability in, on the health and safety front um, there's a constant battle with the, uh, the landowner uh, which I think is some kind of trust uh, associated with Dulwich College which is the local kind of private school and owns a lot of the land around here and between them and between Southwark Council who own a little bit of adjacent land and between Rail Track and also the Velo Club de Londres which are the, uh, is the organising um, kind of administrating body of the track its future is always seems to be in peril but it always seems to keep going on and um, it's not hard to see why because it's a, it's a lovely facility and it's nice to see people spinning past it but we are not here to talk about bicycle track racing we're here to talk about the radio so um james do you want to give it a one more try to see how we're doing is, is resonance coming in running for an intensive four days of performances workshops and events for children depot and tap is oh, all it's get a bit weaker that's not bad you get the aerial up it's at Spill Festival and Untapped promises to be um, one of North London's... Travel far enough to make a difference. Yeah, it's not quite as um, perfect as it was, um, but it's still pretty good, I think. Kerry Andrews to find out more, and we have a little interview with her right now. Seems a shame to turn it off. Oh, oh, what's this? That's the end. Sin is horrible in the sight of God that all you need to do is to look at the cross because the cross is God's bold exclamation point as to the seriousness and the cost and the payment of sin. It is sin that put Jesus Christ on the cross. God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, that's the serendipity of radio. Curious, curious world of AM, medium wave broadcasting. That uh, sounded like something straight out of straight Tennessee out of, or yeah, something, uh, didn't it? Not, not what you imagined to find. In, radio, uh, not what you managed to find in in Dulwich, leafy Dulwich. We've come back into central London, having tested the southerly extension of the resonant signal. And in fact, we probably could have gone on for quite a lot further. I mean, we did cross outside the uh, five 
kilometer official uh, range in because that you know the uh, the Hernhill Velodrome is just over the border as it were but it was a very strong signal and we could have gone probably a lot further mm-hmm. well uh, rumor has it people have been uh, a man with a caravan and a very and tall Oxted, aerial yeah yeah, yeah so i think i think actually if you get on the other side of crystal palace you'd be in trouble you'd be in trouble i think the the, the landscape is gently undulating rather than than mountainous, so I think the signal will go on for a little bit further. It's certainly nice and strong at uh, Hernhill. And you've had a couple of days in London um, listening to the radio a little bit and uh, riding the bike. Mm-hmm. It strikes me that those two technologies are pretty good ways to acquaint oneself with a place. I've been in London a number of times over the years. Uh, I've travelled by taxi and tube and bus and all the usual uh, things. I've walked about a fair bit. But I've got to know the city uh, an awful lot better in the last two days, just from you know two or three hours cycling around. Uh, I think actually I've got a much better feel for the place than I've ever had before. And like anybody knows who's travelled, you know, to tune into the radio stations of the world that you're in, uh, it's always a delight, you know, like whether you're in Ireland or or France or whatever, you know, to, to catch uh, the local culture. It's the voices, you know, to hear the voices of the local people. You know, you can hear there's very lovely chatter in this pub, to be honest, uh, but to hear the voices of the of the, the world you're in is, uh, is a delight, and that's what radio does.